Hello, ladies and gents. Welcome back to the RLS podcast. Um, the clock has just went off. What is it? It must be on. Am I on the hour? No, I'm on the quarter two. Um, funnily enough, that clock just seems to go off every time I go to say something. Um, it's Wednesday, the 16th of August, and it's quarter to 12. Um, I've never felt the need to tell you the time and the date, but today I've added that in. I'm not really sure why. Um, episode 76. Yeah, so we are going through a topic that's it's of incredible interest right now. And there's a lot of trends on TikTok about like optimal health, being optimal, being as healthy as possible through your training, your nutrition, your movement, um, your mental well-being. Like, how do you become like this optimal person, this person that just has everything on point? And there's there's a couple of positives and a couple of negatives to that, but there's more than a couple. There's there's definitely a lot of them. Um, and you get these people on TikTok and you'll have seen them and there's loads of examples of them. You shouldn't eat this. You shouldn't be doing this training method. You shouldn't be watching Netflix. You shouldn't be drinking caffeine at this time because that's bad for your health. Like as humans, we are fucking renowned for doing things that are bad for our health. Like that's, we're probably the... <clears throat> the only actually species of mammal that like purposely go and do things that are bad for our health. Like I think we probably are. I, I can't imagine I see many um, like grizzly bears going down to the boozer and just like lighting up a, lighting up a, a fag and sparking that away. I can't see many horses with elf bars nowadays, any blue nosed dolphins <clears throat> smoking cigars and sniffing coke they just don't really do it they've kind of got their they've got their thing and they stick to their thing they also don't have the level of thinking that a human does and it's probably a blessing in disguise but when we think about optimal health i'm going to talk to you about how we get closer towards optimal health but i'm going to also hold you on a leash so that you don't think you need to have perfectionism when it comes to this a lot of the people listening to this podcast will very much already be in a position where they are focusing focusing in on things with their health. They're already doing things with their nutrition, doing things with their training, they're doing their steps, they are practicing some sort of well-being practice. Um, they're, they're focusing on their health in some way, shape or form, but there will also be people, and this is probably, there's probably a slightly more of a minority around this, that are just don't have a fucking scooby. And that's not a criticism, that's just generally, you're in a place right now where you're really unsure to do what to do with your health. You're really unsure where you should start. And you're really unsure, like, like Ryan, what should I actually be doing? Because, like, how do I benefit my nutrition? How do I feel better? How do I live longer? How do I not fucking die of some sort of, like, self-brought on disease? Um, so that's about, that's around about what I'm going to speak about today. Um, so... A couple of little things that I think should go in the fucking bin. Um, a couple of different phrases. I well, you could you could drop deed tomorrow, so you only live once. Or the old phrase, sleep when you're dead, or fuck it. These kind of attitudes like, oh, I'm just going to absolutely drink myself into oblivion five days of the week because I will, you could drop deed tomorrow. Well, the matter of the fact is, if you have that sort of outlook on life then yeah you fucking could drop dead tomorrow there's a you're probably increasing your percentage chance of dropping dead tomorrow by quite a considerable bit um and look this podcast is not about scaring you into percentages and 
if you eat this particular type of processed meat, you've got 20% extra chance of getting cancer. Or you keep eating the way that you are and not moving, you're going to probably die of heart disease or a heart attack. Because, yes, it is fact that sometimes these things happen to healthy people, but that is no more reason for you to just live a fuck it life and do whatever you want and eat whatever you want and smoke fags and fucking take drugs and stuff like that. Like, don't get me wrong, people do things that are bad for their health, but it is not an excuse to just go completely fuck it with your with your health. Your health is important. Your health dictates how you feel on a daily basis. Your health dictates how well you do in life. Your health is very much a, a really reliable marker on the enjoyment of your life. Um, if you're unhealthy, you feel shit, you eat like shit, you don't train, you don't move, you're stressed out your fucking box, your life's probably going to be pretty shit. Like, and there's a load of mental kind of problems attached to that as well. However, on the flip side, you've got an example of one particular guy who just did a podcast on Diary of a CEO, a guy called Brian Johnston. So he is a tech entrepreneur. Um, I think he had something to do with the sale of PayPal. I can't exactly remember. Um, but what he's doing just now, so he's sp- he's a millionaire, so he's in a, got in a luxury position to be able to do this. He's actually spending millions just now on trying to reduce his biological age. He's, I think he's 45, um, but he has apparently taken t- 10 years off of his life. It, 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 like minus, yeah, no, minus 10 years. So he's essentially 45, but... He's got the biological age of like a fucking 20 something year old. I can't remember what the actual age is. He's supported by a team of 30 scientists and his daily life is dictated by like exercise, diet. He monitors fucking everything that goes into his body. He goes through numerous treatments. um, And yeah, he's apparently been able, he's actually physically changed his outlook. Like he is, the way that he he actually looks quite scary now in a sort of weird sort of kind of like James Bond villain type looking sort of thing um, he's got going on, but he's actually reduced his biological age. Um, doesn't mean that he has like, he's like minus some birthdays off of himself. He's still the same age, but he's technically going to be like, he's healthier and based on loads of different markers. Um, so yeah, that's, he's obviously at the luxury of being able to do that because 30, 30 scientists behind him and his millions of pounds, but and he, for example, he's he's an outlier. He's almost a science, science. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A science experiment for us all, just to see. Oh, Brian, it worked. It worked for Brian. That worked for Brian. Maybe we'll try some of that. Maybe that will introduce that into everyday life. But like, if we as normal humans, everyday humans, are trying to chase a level of kind of perfectionism with optimal health, like Brian Johnston is with his millions of pounds, then we are fighting a losing battle. And yes, take lessons from this. Yes, take inspiration from this. But again, if you're like a, what I would describe as like a nine to five athlete, like someone that focuses in on their health, but is not hell bent on it being every single minute, every single second of their life, then we don't want to chase, we don't want to be at the end of either of the scales. Excuse me. So yeah, you don't really probably don't want to be like Brian Johnson because your life will be an absolute fucking misery. Not to say that his life is a misery. I don't know him well enough and I haven't listened to enough of the podcast, but I can't imagine it's a very fun life, um, if I'm being honest. Yeah, his so his day, his day starts at 5 a.m. followed by an intense hour-long high-intensity workout. He maintains a strict vegan diet, never exceeding 1977 calories, and he goes to bed at the same time every night after wearing blue light blocking glasses for two hours prior. Um uh, alongside all the other random shit that he does. So yeah, pretty extreme, probably not practical for everyday people. So 
when we think of optimal health, when we think of improving, improving our health, there are health, there are four main pillars. There are sleep, there is movement, which includes obviously training uh, and gym, cardio, steps, just general, general movement. We've obviously got nutrition, the things that we actually put in our body, and then we've got our mental well-being. Um, all of these things are conjoined. If three out of the four are broken, the fourth one's probably shit as well. If two out of the four are broken, the other two are probably not very good either. If one of them's missing, it's probably, you can probably uphold your life just that little bit, but it's it has a knock-on effect. We want to be able to we want to be able to work on all of these things. And typically you maybe have one of these things nailed down. You maybe have your movement nailed down and you'll maybe then have your sleep nailed down, but you might not have your nutrition and your mental well-being nailed down. But the more we can work on each of these components, the better and the closer we get towards our definition of optimal health. And I believe that every single person has their own definition of optimal health. So like, I think the kind of categories that you need to go by. So let's let's just use like a little example that I've almost created in my head. So optimal health, 100% of optimal health is your definition of optimal health. You're healthy, you don't have injuries, you don't have illness, you feel good on a daily basis, your energy is high, you're progressing in your life and you're generally happy. You've got no mental problems, no physical problems and generally life is pretty good and you feel good. I would imagine that on everyone's definition, that is 100%. I don't really think you can ever really achieve 100% optimal health, but based on your definition. So we go right to the end of the scale. Zero would be mental well-being is in the bin. You feel like absolute shit. You're overweight. Your sleep is shit. You're not training. You're just fucking eating takeaways every single day. That I'd imagine that would be somewhere near zero. Or you could you could almost argue that zero would be your deed. Um, and as we go up that percentage, you could you could begin to just think about how we could take ourselves up the way. So have a think about where you might be on that scale right now. And then what I'm going to help you do within this podcast is target the areas that may be missing. And we can add 10, 15, 20, 30, 40% over time to take you closer towards your definition of optimal health. Because very few of us are in that position right now. I know this is a quite a vague um, definition as to what this will be. And it's this is not like, this is not backed by the World Health Organization. I would like to add that. This is my definition of this. Um, so it may be a little bit flippant. It may be a little bit, um, as I said, a little bit vague. But I want to try and help you move forwards with your with your health. So sleep. I'm going to vaguely, I'm not, not vaguely, I'm going to briefly touch on this because um, I have done like full podcasts on sleep before. So sleep's important. And I think the thing that you need to figure out right now is like, first thing would be like how many hours a night are you sleeping and um, that's the first thing second thing how do you feel when you wake up in the morning do you feel absolutely fucked absolutely knackered can't open your eyes or do you feel okay third one would be is there some sort of problem with your sleep right now is it broken sleep is it really light sleeping is it your sleeping conditions um do you actually feel rested like through the day or are you falling asleep later on in the day? And I want to try and help help you cover all bases when it comes to your sleep. Now, I know with sleep, there are always things and considerations to take into play that are out with your control. There's a lot of things that can be out with your control in terms of kids, young kids waking you up through the night. You can't really do much about that. Like, I want you to think about the things that are within your control. So 
<clears throat> why is this cough? I need a really drink of I really need a drink of water. <clears throat> I may go and get one in a second, but I'll, I'll keep going just now. So Matthew Walker is one of the leading experts when it comes to sleep um, in the world, really. He's one of the most listened to people anyway when it comes to sleep. He's got a book um, which is called Why We Sleep. and would recommend giving it a, a listen. Um, it really helped me begin to understand sleep and it helped me be able to help people with sleep. Um, again, I'm not an expert, but I, I sleep well myself. Like I go to sleep probably every single night at about half 10 and I can easily get up at half five. Um, and that's pretty much every day of the week, minus a Saturday or a Sunday. It's not a case of, oh, look at me, I get up at half five. Um, I would very much love to sleep till seven, but work entails that I get up a little bit earlier, um, and that's just how it works. So a little quote from Matthew Walker is, human beings are the only species that deliberately, deliberately deprive themselves for sleep for no apparent gain. There is no gain from depriving yourself from sleep. And what he means by that is like, when you deprive yourself of sleep, this involves things like staying up those stupid o'clock, watching Netflix, looking at your phone halfway through the night, just staying up all night, doing work on your laptop, um, getting up super duper early in the morning um, because you've had a shit sleep. Like a lot of humans do this, like just burning the midnight oil, just like staying up late, working late, just fucking just totally disregarding sleep and thinking that they don't need sleep. Many people walk through their lives in an underslept state, not realizing it. And again, not trying to scare people, but this is one of the main determinants. Determinants, is that even a word? You'll find that I say that a lot. Um, my English is perhaps not the best. Um, many, like, it's one of the main things that will heighten your chances of, of certain, like, conditions, certain conditions moving forward in your life. Like, I, again, don't want to scare people, but it's like things like dementia, things like, memory loss and it's kind of like a similar thing but it's obviously memory loss is different from dementia um like retaining information stress levels anxiety levels chances of depression um physical recovery like all of these things are down regulated if your sleep shit and again quote from walker is like once you drop below seven hours we can start to measure objective impairments in your brain and your body the shorter you sleep the shorter your life short sleep predicts all cause mortality. So any cause of death is, I mean, obviously other than getting hit by a bus or something, is, um, mind you, you might be tired and get hit by a bus. It predicts all causes of early death through certain conditions and certain diseases and certain illness, which is just like, yeah, like is that enough for you to try and go and get a, a better sleep? Um, also, in terms of, in the gym, in terms of recovering, human, human growth hormone, is, um, and you've heard me say this before, is human growth hormone is, um, it, it's kind of like spikes at its highest point when you're sleeping and all the kind of neural connections within your brain, your muscles recover when you sleep. So if you're sleeping shit, you're not getting any deep sleep, you're not recovering as well. Um, and also it seems to be like in the particular, like the deepest stage of sleep that's called non-rapid eye movement, which is non-REM sleep. Um, these actually begin to drop off so non-REM sleep see when you're like 13 14 15 16 like it's at its best like it's at its best but by the time you're in your 50s so 40s 50s you can have lost up to 40 to 50 percent of that deep sleep that you were having in your younger age like this is one of the natural processes towards aging like you're 
your REM sleep just drops off. It's a natural thing that happens as you get older. And by the time you're 70, you may have lost around about 90% of that deep sleep. Um, this is almost like a natural process towards aging. So you want to reverse aging and you want to slow down your aging and you want to feel better. You want to feel healthier. Sleep. Like if you have fucking shit sleep all the way through your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, you're aging quicker, mate. Um, unfortunately, that's just the, that's just, just the gist of it. Um, so what can you do to improve your sleep? Well, I kind of spoke about a few of those little factors. You can improve your sleep by making sure that you get over seven hours. Don't get me wrong. Some people need less. Some people need more. I know for a fact that anything under seven hours just has, has me feeling knackered the next day. So I make sure I try and get seven hours every single night um, without fail. Um, so make that a goal of yours as well. If you can, don't just accept shit sleep. Like, don't just accept five, oh, I only got four hours, I only got five hours. Have a look at your lifestyle. Have a look at the things that you do around your morning routines. Is caffeine way too high, too close to bedtime? Are you stressed out your fucking box every time you go to sleep? Are your sleeping conditions terrible? Like, do you generally have an uncomfy bed? Do you and your partner, again, this is quite a, a taboo subject, but do you not sleep well next to your partner? Like, do they snore? And um, Do they roll about are they a light sleeper do they cause you to have a shitter sleep sometimes having a a bed divorce I, again i'm not speaking from experience this is not something i have a problem with but i have spoke to people in the past and um, and i've literally said to them have you ever thought about getting another bed i know it look it's not a it's not a romantic thing you don't get to be next to your partner but if that partner is causing you to have a fucking shit sleep every single night again don't like don't sound like this because some people might might get annoyed but um you may need to move to another bedroom. Like, do you not think that would be better for your relationship than sleeping next to a grizzly bear that snores all night? Again, some people probably feeling triggered right now. Maybe not. Maybe I'm overthinking it. But you would have a better sleep, therefore a better relationship with that person. You know for a fact if you're cranky every single morning and you begin to um, resent your partner for their snoring, would you not be better having another bed somewhere um, or sleeping in a different place? Waking up both bright as a daisy and feeling good. Another way that you can do that as well, Matthew Walker speaks about this in his book, or maybe it's someone else. Sit with, lie with your partner until it's time for to go to sleep, and then you go to your bed, they go to sleep, you go to sleep, you wake them up in the morning with a cup of coffee. Perfect. Um, <clears throat> just a suggestion. It is not the most ridiculous thing in the world. I know some people that do it, and it's worked wonders for their relationship. Look at me now, I'm a relationship coach. I'm like, fuck, I will never be that. Um, <clears throat> so, in terms of other things with, with sleep, it is just a case of like focus on things like lowering your caffeine intake to close to bed, bed conditions, make sure it's dark, make sure it's cool, make sure it's not too hot. Um, so yeah, sleep, that's sleep. Probably the, one of the most important things. Then we go into movement. So when we talk about movement, um, we're, really, we're really thinking about, um, what, are we, what are we thinking about? We're thinking about strength training. We're thinking about gym. We're thinking about cardio. We're thinking about all the different kind of methods of training that we can do to improve, um, improve our health. So the body, it's, almost, it's like a car. It requires, it requires work. It requires an MOT. It requires you to maintain it to keep optimal health. Now, as we know, as we as we age, um, and as as we grow as a child, we 
need to do physical activity as we grow into an adult we need to do physical activity to maximally develop ourselves into the best the best human possible like we know for a fact that like children for example will become stronger their bones will become denser they will um be at less chance of injury if they do like they do sports and they train in the gym as they grow up like it's just a fact uh, things like balance things like and like every single thing you can think of is going to benefit um so like when you think about strength training there's a couple of different things that you would obviously that would obviously benefit you actual muscle size and strength if you've got stronger muscles and you can actually lift more weight and you can output more or less chance of injury there's more chance of like not feeling fatigued you're going to feel generally just a, a pretty stable human um doing weight training will also improve cardiovascular health, like improve the, the health of your heart and lungs. Like we forget that like you don't actually always need to do cardio to in, improve your, your aerobic capacity, the capacity of your, um, your lungs and your heart. And um, it can reduce blood pressure um, cholesterol levels and your risk of cardiovascular disease as well. Um, actual bone density, like, like something that people don't understand about like strength training is that, not only does it increase the strength of your muscles, but it also increases the strength of your bones. Like your bone can adapt. Your actual bone will adapt. So say, for example, you keep getting injuries in your ankle, like, oh, strained my ankle, strained my ankle. I've broke my ankle before. <clears throat> That's like the, and the bone actually broke. Strength training could help that ankle become denser and the bone in that muscle become denser and stronger and protect against those injuries. And like generally if your bones are stronger especially as you grow older and you age um one of the most important periods of time is actually um postmenopausal women like if bone density actually begins to decrease um, and it actually has a negative effect on um women as they go through the menopause so strength training is even even more important during that period um yeah, strength training, really important. Joints, uh, ligaments, again, sprains and strains and things like that. You're going to be able to lower your chance of that. You're going to reduce body fat. As we know, to a certain extent, dropping body fat is going to improve pretty much most predictors of health. Um, if we are holding on to loads of loads of body fat, there are more chance of like these loads of different sort of kind of like these health-related diseases. And mental well-being as well is going to improve sweet, sweet quality, sleep quality. Um, strength training is just an absolute non-negotiable when it comes to improving your health. Like if you are not training in the gym, lifting some weights, um, like at the age what well, I'm at, like in your 20s and your 30s, it's just like you're well more than able to do that. So do it. But I honestly think any way up to like 50, 60, 70, you should still like you should still be doing it. If if you're well and able get in the fucking gym. You're going to increase the quality of your life for the next 10, 20 years. There's absolutely no questions asked about it. Um, second thing would be steps. So steps, movement, actually getting outdoors. Um, there's a couple of really nice statistics on this. Um, I think this is possibly an American one, but for every 2,000 steps increased, risk of heart disease, cancer, and premature death decreases by 10%. This peaks at 10,000 steps each day, the research shows. Additionally, a little under 10,000 steps a day, so was, I think the, this study was like 9,800, can drop the risk of dementia by 50%. I'm apprehensive about that statistic. Um, 
I'm not entirely sure where it came from. So that's perhaps a slightly bad one to quote. Um, and there's also a, a 25% lower risk for those who walked about 3,800 steps per day. So again, if you are not moving your arse on a daily basis and you're like, oh God, I'm not like, I'm not ready to go to the gym or I'm not ready to do cardio, I'm not ready to run, walk, please walk. If you're in a position where you're not walking, not training, not gymming, you're increasing all negative factors. You're going so far away from optimal health if you're not just, if you're generally not moving on a daily basis, move on a daily basis. I would say for everyone that is well and able, 5,000 steps at least is a non-negotiable every single day. If you're doing less than that, especially if you're sat at an office job all day long, I seriously worry about your health. There is, again, this might seem, seem a little bit morbid and this might seem a little bit like, right, fucking hell, Ryan. But if you're doing nothing exercise-wise, you're eating like shit and you're not moving, you're walking towards ill health within the next 10 years. You are literally walking towards it. And yeah, that, I mean, that's just a matter of fact. And actually getting outdoors, um, I know it's fucking shit weather and we've had the worst summer for forever in Scotland, but getting outdoors on a daily basis is going to be so, so crucial for your health. Um, so next one is cardiovascular activity. Um, so again, you could, you could frame this as literally just like walking as well, but if we want to take it a step further, we can think about, um, we can generally think about like cycling we can think about a little bit of running we can think about rowing machine at the gym cross trainer just doing a little bit of uh, a little bit of cardiovascular work on a weekly basis is going to be absolutely crucial and you may begin to create a little picture here about how to focus on optimal health with movement and for me it's a direct recipe um between some cardiovascular work some strength work in the gym and movement just going for walks and doing some light cardio if you can get a combination of this within your week, now that could just be, that could literally be three hours of your week. One day I go for a walk, one day I go to the gym, third day I go on my bike, something like that. But I know as kind of like athletes and as kind of people that like to focus on their health, you may play football, you may go to the gym twice a week, you may want to jump on the, the ski yard or the rowing machine, things like that. So when we think about the actual benefits that doing cardio um, has on us so there's benefits on the heart the actual function of the blood vessels and the actual profile of the blood um, so as we increase physical activity cardiovascular mortality goes down so that's things like heart attacks strokes um, heart disease um, just generally like high cholesterol all those sort of things so like there's I've got a pretty technical diagram down in front of me but it's it's showing like all the different benefits that you can have so like generally like you for example you utilize um sugars better once you do cardiovascular work you are better at oxidizing fatty acids which essentially means you're better at utilizing fats so like if you eat fats you're better at utilizing them and you just you generally become a fitter more healthier version of you this is why i think every single person in the world should be doing some sort of cardio and just get getting the heart rate up at least a couple of times a week. So as I said, I listed all those different things, walking, cycling. If, again, if you're not doing this, then please just do it. It doesn't take a lot. Get out for a walk, go and walk up a hill, just anything. If you're not doing this, again, you're walking towards 
ill health. So um, on to the third point, which is food, which is probably the part that most people are interested in. Um, so here's the World Health Organization's um, recommendations when it comes to food. Now, there are so many nuances around this, so many arguments, so many people have different takes on how to eat for optimal health. Um, but there's some pretty, pretty basic rules when it comes to food. So I'm just going to rattle this off. So in terms of what you should be eating on a daily basis, they, should, they talk about fruit, vegetables, lentils, like legumes, like the whole kind of category is legumes, nuts, whole grains, unprocessed, unprocessed um, milled oats, wheat, brown rice, at least 400 grams of fruit and vegetables per day. This is excluding things like potatoes, sweet potatoes, starchy roots. Less than 10% of total energy intake should be from free sugars, which is equivalent to around about 50 grams or about 12 teaspoons for a person of a healthy body weight, consuming about 2,000 calories per day. But as ideally, it's going to be less than 5% of your total energy intake for the, for the day. Um, obviously, they, they talk about needing to be careful with like sugars added to things like foods and like present and syrups and juices and all that sort of jazz and um, less than 30% of total energy intake from fats. So that's unsaturated fats found in fish, avocado, nuts, creams, oils. Um, and yeah, so unsaturated fats are preferable to saturated fats, like as in things like things from meat, butter, oil, like coconut oil, cream, cheese, lard. And then you've got obviously like things like trans fats, which are found in baked and fried foods, um, prepackaged snacks, like frozen stuff and like, pies cookies biscuits some cooking oil some spreads um yeah you just and it kind of just elaborates on the fact you just need to be careful with the amount of fats that you're getting from processed stuff um and also just like careful of the amount of salts that you're having so again like in a nutshell what it's trying to tell you there is like be careful with your sugar intake be careful with your salt intake and be careful with your fat intake from unsaturated fats and um, so for optimal health like, how do we actually then approach that? Um, and why are these things dangerous? So when it comes to these, like, additional things that, like, you see on these health organization websites and you see on these posters and you probably remember doing certain things like this in school, be careful with adding sugar, be careful with, like, refined carbohydrates, be careful with processed meats. So the danger behind these things and the things that we should, look, I'm always of the view that, like, there's nothing wrong with a bit of this sort of stuff. Like, if you're going to have a frozen fucking pizza one night, then, yeah, whatever, that's cool. Um, If you're going to eat breakfast cereal one day of the week, then, yeah, that's cool. But, like, we need to be careful about how much we're consuming this. And, look, there's loads of arguments to this. Like, this stuff's cheaper, and this stuff's easier for, like, mums of four that are single mums to, to feed their kids with it's, because, again, it's cheaper and easier to access. But... If we can, we need to be careful about how much we're intaking for this because this is another way to just like basically like send your health backwards. So refined sugars, these are things like that are added. So if again, maybe you look you look at your um you look at your smoothie that you get from the shop and you check in, it's like holy fuck, 30 grams of sugar. A lot of these have like added refined sugars. Um and again, this just in theory would lead to like weight gain, increase your risk of diabetes. Um, things that have added salt, like crisps and things like that. Um, I mean, the average person consumes more than twice the daily recommended intake. Too much salt would lead to things like high blood pressure, risk of heart disease. Then you think about things like refined carbohydrates. So it's like cookies, 
donuts, sweets, all that sort of stuff that we probably, a lot of us probably eat on a daily basis. And ice cream, eating them can cause spikes in your blood sugars, leading to inflammation, weight gain, uh, again, risk of diabetes, processed meats. Um, so these are like cuts of meat and things like that um, can raise your risk of heart disease and um, higher your chance of cancer. Although it's important to note, like sometimes when you read these things, oh, processed meats cause cancer or fucking carbs cause, diet, cause diabetes. Sometimes it's not directly. It's not like you see if you eat a bacon roll, you're not going to get cancer. Sometimes there's like a an indirect reason as to why people that eat lots of bacon get cancer. It's because sometimes due to the fact of how their lifestyle looks as well. So their overall lifestyle might be really shitty, hence why their levels of chances the chance of cancer goes up it's not like they've found that oh fuck like bacon actually causes cancer do you think if bacon caused cancer it would be on the fucking shelves no it wouldn't it's it's the lifestyle and it's the amount of these things attached to these certain foods that cause these diseases but yeah obviously you wouldn't want to be eating bacon like fucking fried fire bacon every single day so it's a case of looking out for these things but doesn't mean you need to remove them from your diet altogether in my opinion you would certainly benefit slightly from removing some of these things. Um, so like, instead of now thinking about what we shouldn't be in, I actually want to frame it in such a way where it's like, right, okay, what should we be in? So I've come up with a little list and feel free to kind of like save this. I've come up with a little list that of foods that I think you should, every single one of you should be including in your diet every single week for general health, for the micronutrient um, benefits of these foods and to generally make you feel good because it's no it's no word of a lie. Like what you put in your body very much dictates the way that you feel. Like if you eat like fucking shit, you're going to feel like fucking shit. And I have I've known so many people that literally wake up in the morning, have a can of Monster for their lunch. They have a fucking sausage roll. For their dinner, they'll have a Twix and a fucking Mars bar. They've never eat a bit of fruit, never eat a bit of veg. They drink fucking five coffees a day. And then for tea, they have a pizza. And then they go to sleep. They wake up the next morning and they do it all over again. And the thing is with these people is I'm not slagging them right now. If you, that sounds like your life, do not feel triggered. But you have now normalized feeling that way. Like you've normalized that way of eating. Therefore, when you wake up in the morning, that's just how you feel. Like you have normalized how you feel. Therefore, you don't know what it feels like and how much you could improve your life, improve your mental well-being, improve the way that you feel, improve your energy, improve your sleep, improve your libido, um, the actual ability to get a fucking hard on. Um, if you started eating better, like if you actually just started improving your diet. Now, it's not a case of eating clean every single day of the week. It's a case of Again, as I said about at the start, taking it from 20% to 40%, 40% to 60%. So here's my list of foods. Green leafy veg, doesn't just have to be leafy, like literally green veg in general. Avocado for the good unsaturated fat within that. Um, oats, non-refined kind of oats. Eggs, fish, oily fish. Um, kefir or kefir, however you pronounce it, Greek yogurt. Sweet potato, um, natural honey seeds and nuts, mushrooms, berries of all sorts, ginger and turmeric, um, citrusy fruits like oranges, dark chocolates, beans and legumes, um, and then all your kind of different protein sources such as like chicken, 
um, steak, like all of these things are going to support optimal health. And again, I could write that list five times over with loads of other different things. Now that's just my list that came off the top of my head of, of things that I really try to make sure that I have every single week. And one thing I noticed lately, and again, it's just touching on kind of what I just spoke about was that I probably about six months ago got very comfortable with the way that I was eating in terms of it became so automatic and so convenient. I mostly work from home. Therefore, when I'm needing something to eat, I go through to the kitchen, I see what's there and I make it. And what was missing within my diet was like, I, I just fucking, I love sourdough. Like I love sourdough bread. And I was having sourdough. I was putting some chicken on it. I was putting maybe one slice of lettuce on it. And that was doing me. It was nice. It was quick. It was done. I was back to work. I was just beginning to feel a little bit shitty. And I was eating too many protein bars. And again, a processed, basically chocolate bar with whey protein in it wasn't necessarily making my digestion feel very good. And it's important to note that like digestion is something that is really important as well. And what I did was I was like, I'm just not feeling too great. I'm feeling a little bit bloated, a little bit inflamed. I'm just really feeling a bit shitty about myself. So what I did is I went through a fat loss phase and I dropped my calories by about 500. And I then needed to be so much more efficient with my food. I wasn't able to just go and chuck loads of sauce on my sourdough and put some chicken on there. And I wasn't able to just go and eat my protein bars because they were too high in calories. So I needed to start being more efficient with my diet. And what I did was I was like, right, okay, if I want to be full, I'm going to have to eat loads of veg. Like I need to just make sure I'm eating loads more veg. So I started doing that. And I started drinking more water. I, it wasn't like I was, my diet was terrible, by the way. It was decent. Um, I stopped eating my protein bars because I couldn't fit them into my calories. I stopped eating my protein yogurts and started actually like, again, nothing wrong with protein yogurts. I just started eating more chicken and more meat and more veg and more eggs and more kind of whole foods. Again, something to take away from this is like whole foods, fresh foods. I started eating more of that. And I, just, and I woke up in the morning like a week after and I was like, fuck, I feel so much better. I wasn't having my afternoon crashes. I wasn't feeling absolutely knackered every time I come home from football at like like seven, eight o'clock. I just felt like my energy was on an all-time high. And I was I was like, Ryan, you just, you went into autopilot with, with your eating. No wonder you started feeling flat. Um, but now I've been able to kind of like maintain that habit. Like before I was still hitting my calories. I was still hitting my protein, but I was doing it in such a way that, was really convenient to me and it was really autopilot um, but now I've started including all these different foods in and I just feel so much better like my energy is, is sky high and um, so maybe you should have a think about doing something similar and beginning to start including different colors of food veg fruit making sure like I don't get me wrong getting your five a day in is the most generic bit of advice you can ever get but Will it make you feel fucking better? Yes, it will. Absolutely. Stop eating so much refined carbohydrates. Like if you're having bread for your breakfast, bread for your lunch, rolls for your tea, like you're going to feel pretty shit. Like these refined carbohydrates are not going to make you feel overly great. Um, and again, little things like protein intake. So if we improve our protein intake, we're going to recover better. Um, and generally like our energy is just going to be better. We're not going to be as sore from things like training um, carbohydrates. We just need to make sure that we're getting plenty of carbohydrates from things like, like root potatoes. So like potatoes, sweet potatoes, rice, we're getting a mixture of stuff in and we're not getting all of our carbohydrates from, from bread. Um, again, bread's not the devil. Bread's not terrible, but if you're getting all your carbohydrates from bread, you're probably going to feel like a bloated piece of shit constantly. 
Um, hence the kind of workies that have a roll every single day for their lunch or a sandwich every single day. You will feel better if you stop doing that, like every single day, I promise you. Fats, it's important to not get all of your fats from literal fatty things like saturated fats. Try and get some of these from like eggs, fish, try and like things like salmon, um, things like avocados, uh, micronutrients. Like when I talk about micronutrients, I refer to getting a, a selection of fruit, vegetables, nuts, seeds, all this different stuff. Water intake goes without saying, if you're not drinking enough water, then you're shooting yourself in the foot. Um, and again, like an important kind of little bit of data was like eight out of 10 people in England, Wales and Northern Ireland have made changes to their eating habits in the past 12 months. In 2021, 75% of people in Scotland say that they know they have to make significant changes to what they eat to be more healthy. And 23% of adults said their diet had worsened since the pandemic. So that's an interesting one as well. Like 23% of, I think they're talking about a UK wide um, statistic here, said their diet had worsened since the pandemic. Um, so this is your chance to actually now go, you know what, let's start moving that percentage the other way because it was very easy to get into convenient patterns when it came to the pandemic and we want to get you out of there and as i said before what you eat has a direct effect on how you feel your energy your mood your sleep your libido and your stress so probably i can't say that there's one factor more important than the other with the with the four factors of optimal health but food's pretty important it's literally what you put in your body every single day i think i just like to view it in such a way that it's like imagine Imagine what your stomach would like. Like, imagine if you were trying to, like, feed... feed I, just, I don't know how the analogy is going to work here. It's like fucking putting putting chip oil in a, in a Ferrari. Like, if you want to run like a Ferrari, if you want to operate with efficiency, you want to operate with, like, focus, you want to feel good, you want to lower your stress, put the right fuel in. Like, put good shit into your body. On the occasional, like, occasional... Um, day then you can obviously deviate from that it doesn't have to be constantly healthy but if your diet is 90% shit then that's you're, you've got so much to gain if you improve your diet just 10% you're going to feel so much better and there's a guy who he again I've talked about him a couple of times like he pops up on TikTok all the time for me his name's Eddie Abu and he's, he's just got this he's got so many like fucking ridiculous takes like he's one of these guys and you've seen them before they go through the supermarkets and they just slate like all the things that are sitting in the supermarkets, just like going around shouting at cereal boxes, telling people to stop eating protein yogurts, telling people to stop eating grenade bars, telling people to stop eating frozen shit. And like, yeah, that's fine and well. Like it, it does actually have a, a point. If 90% of your diet is centered around processed foods, like if you never go to like the fresh food aisle and buy things that are like buy fruit, buy veg, um, and buy anything out of that aisle and everything you eat is from the frozen aisle and it's all processed and it's all like you don't need to do any cooking you just shove it in the microwave um it's, it's probably it's going to predict that you don't have the, the best diet in the world and you're probably not going to feel too great um but his points are obviously a little bit extreme he tells people that are going to die if they eat cereal and stuff like that i don't think it's as serious as that but if you get into the habit of doing it every single day it's obviously not going to help your health um and yeah, the last point is is mental well-being. Um, and it's like, how do you how do you then work on this? Well, in my opinion, again, I know it's not as simple as just going, right, okay, do some training, sleep better, eat better, and your mental well-being will be better. It's not as simple as that. Some of these 
problems that are so much more complex. However, what I will say is when we see, like, again, obviously I can see this, you can't see it in front of you. When we see the pillars of health, pillars of optimal health, we have sleep, we have movement, we have nutrition, and then the final block is mental well-being. I truly believe that you cannot have optimal physical health without optimal mental health. You cannot have optimal mental health without optimal physical health. So if one, let's let's imagine mental well-being is is one and sleep, movement, and nutrition is one. So if your sleep, nutrition, and movement is all to absolute shit, there's a good chance your mental well-being will be as well. Um, the matter of fact is like, if you're sleeping well, if you're training, if you're doing stuff for your body and you're eating well, I almost guarantee that your mental well-being will find some sort of benefit. I almost guarantee it. And like anyone that's ever came and worked with me, I don't, I don't um, pretend to be some sort of mental well-being coach because it's not something that I directly work on and I will very, very quickly pass someone on or refer someone if I think that they have a have an issue that they're trying to fix it in the wrong place but nine times out of like 99% of the time someone that's struggling with their mental well-being I have so many examples of this within my program they've maybe been getting support from someone else at the same time but when they've began to train and when they begin to have a purpose um to their training and their eating they begin to feel better it's it's no surprise and it's no shock um but obviously if you are struggling with your mental well-being and nothing like you can't train yourself out of it like you can't you're eating really well and you're still feeling shit and you're sleeping really well but you're still feeling like shit and that's when you obviously need to go and get in contact with someone um and for a lot of footballers there's a there's a company company slash but you go on facebook you'll think you'll you'll find them are called um back on site um which is a really good charity which helps people with their mental well-being there's another one, Andy's Man Club. You may have heard of that before. There are meetings that go on in pretty much every local area. Um, and yeah, there's various different other places as well. So if you're struggling with something like this and you don't think anything can fix it, then I urge you to go and contact someone like that. However, um, if you haven't started working on things like your sleep, your movement and your nutrition, give it a go. Give it a go first and foremost and see how you progress. Um, and if you kind of taken taken anything away from this podcast if you have been kind of like nudged into doing something now about one of your challenges or one of your problems again please drop me a message please let me know um i'd be more than happy to assist with anything in regards to the the, the sleep the movement and the nutrition side of things um so yeah hope everyone's good thank you for listening and i shall catch up with you guys soon